everybody welcome to the 328th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling live and direct ready to talk about this uh this blazers team super super excited so let's 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 get into this uh uh potentially emotional podcast yeah, it's it's interesting because we we technically skipped a week. You know, we I obviously have a newborn. You have a, a busy life as well. And honestly, the team isn't where it needs to be. Where we really have to record on a weekly basis to talk about what is going on currently with the with this franchise. There's only so many ways that you can bake a cookie. I mean, for it to taste, you know. We we've discussed the ends and the outs. I've I am so tired of discussing the best trailblazer ever. I'm so tired of discussing whether they should trade Dame or they have to keep Dame at all costs. The the topics of this team have been absolutely discussed to death. So unless something drastically happens with this franchise in the next uh, with through the end of March. You know, there's only 12 games left. You know, we might be a, a bi-weekly uh, recording for the Blazers. Obviously, we'll, we'll continue our, our future Friday. Um, yeah, that, that's all I really care about, bro, to be completely with honest. March Madness in full full effect. The Blazers, you know, having a uh, better draft position, which we, we which we will get into. There's just more topical things to discuss. Things that I think we want um, to differentiate ourselves from uh, the other podcasts around there. Because there's just only so many things that you can discuss. And sometimes it's getting a little toxic as well. Especially on on Twitter. And I just it feels like the discussions haven't been able to stay um, civil. Or, you know, just, just even worthwhile. Like, like I said, like this is the downside of being a fishbowl town. The Blazers are the, the one horse we've got. There's no WNBA. There's no NHL. There's no NFL. There's no MLB. Uh, the Ducks and the Beavers uh, did not perform well, men and women in collegiate basketball, and college football is still six months out. So it is the Portland Trailblazers for better or worse. And right now it is for worse. Uh, the Blazers, uh, 13th in the Western Conference, 31 and 39, riding a five game losing streak. They have won three times since the All Star break all against teams that are currently worse than them in the NBA standings. Uh, most importantly, though, the standings that we should all be focused on is the lottery standings. And thanks to some big wins from the Chicago Bulls, shout out DeMar DeRozan, uh, the Blazers now find themselves all alone in the sixth spot in the in the lottery standings. Um, they probably will not catch the Orlando Magic at five, but they could they could do themselves a solid and just keep that sixth spot all to themselves. Uh, it is tight company, let me tell you. But right now, if the season were to end today, the Blazers would have over a 37% chance at landing a top four pick and more meaningful, a 9% chance at landing Victor Wembenyama. Uh, I don't think that should be... Um, uh, understated enough. The top three teams only get a 14% chance. So Portland at six is still getting a 9% chance at this generational Frenchman, seven, five wingspan mobile can do it all. Literally the easiest and probably only way 
to not only rebuild, but win right away. Something the Blazers have been continuously doing for the past three, since the Western Conference Finals, basically. They have been trying to rebuild, but also be competitive for, for one Damian Lillard. Victor Wembanyama is the bridge. He he bridges both of those gaps, and he does it like no other prospect in NBA history. So that's really what it's it's all been coming down to for me, Sage. Like to to be to be quite honest, like right now, the the Blazers have been playing some unwatchable basketball. They are they are up to a league high seventeen blown double digit leads. Um, a couple of anecdotes. I was texting you and I was like, oh God, they're up 16 against the Knicks. Like we don't need to win this game. Like what, what are we doing? You're like, chill out, buddy. They're going to blow it. And sure enough, the Knicks ended up winning by like 16 or 17 points. So just a drastic turn of events with Portland basically playing a healthy roster. Yes, they were without Jeremy Grant, but the Knicks were with also without Jalen Brunson, who was gunning for first team all NBA honors. And uh, to be perfectly like honest, Last Sunday, Daylight Savings absolutely kicked my ass. I was so tired, um, especially obviously getting up with the newborn and, and feeding him that at like three o'clock, I was like, Olga, can I take a nap? She's like, yeah, sure. I, I've got it. And she's like, your, your game's on, right? I'm like, yeah, four o'clock. Set my alarm for like 410 because I know games start like 10 minutes later. And I, it was like the best nap ever. Like my I slept with my cat as, as a weighted blanket and it was wonderful. And I hit the snooze button and I checked the score. It's like we're down 15 points. And then I was like, okay, that's probably what, what needs to happen. Then I look at halftime. Shaden Sharp has played three minutes. I was like, there's no way I'm tuning into this game because that is the only reason I want to watch Blazer basketball right now is to see what Shaden Sharp can become. And also because he's probably the most entertaining player that we have because I absolutely love the highlight changing, um, the defying of gravity that he's able to do on both ends of the court. And he just wasn't playing. So I'm like, yeah, I'm out on this. I've got better things to, to this do. This was the Pelican game, right? This is the Pelican game. Yeah. And they absolutely stomped. Uh, so not only are they the losing Sage, they're blowing leads, they're running Damian Lillard into the ground, and they are not developing Shaden Sharp or Nasir Little. Uh, I, I so really, what 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 are we, what are we doing? Like that's my biggest question to this franchise is is what are are we doing? I would just. I would love to know if there is any direction they're going in because I was listening to the fifth quarter. Um, I use it to wind down. Um, it's I don't have to have a screen. I can just put my AirPods in and just listen. And, and one of the callers basically said, this is like a, a rudderless ship out in the ocean, just kind of floating around aimlessly going as the tide takes them. There's no captain on board. And I thought that was just the perfect way to describe the, the, this franchise right now. And I, I just, I, I don't like, it, it's just, it's maddening that so many people can look at this and say, yes, there, there is no direction yet. You've got an owner in Jody Allen who refuses to speak to the media. She hasn't said one word since, uh, I don't believe she said one word to the media since Paul Allen passed. And that was in the fall of 2018, which is just asinine. Um, you, you have an organization that their, their broadcast is producing playoff graphics in terms of tiebreakers when they're blowing 16 point leads to the Knicks and they're just losing by 15 to the Celtics. And I don't blame the broadcast because I know they're getting directive from yeah, they're, they're getting told to do something. They're getting directive from above. When I worked for the team, there were certain things that we meant to hammer home. 
Um, I'll tell you something right now that I was in a preseason a meeting after preseason and uh, Terry Stotts and I believe also Neil O'Shea were like, why, why isn't the media team talking more about our preseason defensive rating? I kid you not at the practice facility. They wanted that story. They wanted that narrative to be told a fucking preseason defensive rating, how, how well they were playing. So I don't blame the broadcast for that, but also at the same time, like this organization has to have some self-awareness because I don't understand how a team can be eight games below 500. They are 13th in the Western conference and still talking about the playoffs. And when you also say, Oh, they're only three games out. It's not just three games. Sage. it's not like, Oh, the other team has to lose three games at this point in the season. You have to count wins, not losses. Blazers have to start winning some of these games. They're already like three, four, five, six games below the teams ahead of them, just even in the play-in. And you look at the schedule, you look at how they're playing. It just looks, it it, it, it looks like they need to know when to wave the white flag. And it's, it's clearly coming to a head. Chris Haynes had a, a report that, I believe it was after the Knicks game, that Damian Lillard would be reevaluated. He would reevaluate the season in five or six contests to see if it was worth really to play or not. I think it should be sooner. Um, I was texting you during the Celtics game that it was uh, a little embarrassing and I felt bad for Dame because the Blazers are down 12 or 13 points with like 70, 80 seconds left and they're still pressing and trapping and playing the foul game, clearly trying to get Dame more points. He got him over the 40 point mark and it all felt very Ricky Davis missing a shot on purpose to rebound to get him a triple double like this is the type of stat padding that we used to kind of make fun of Kevin Love in Minnesota for doing and and Sharif Abdurrahim in in Vancouver like those type of players who quote unquote couldn't win but were putting up big numbers and that's exactly what this team is doing to Dame and I, I get that having a scoring title on the resume would look great but when I think of of Dame's games this year it really reminds me like before Dame basically went super nuclear these past few years, like when you looked at the Blazers all-time leading score per game, like just in a single game, there was a 54 point outburst by Damon Stoudemire during the 0405 season against the, the then new Orleans Hornets. And I remember that game only because I was working as a courtesy clerk and I was in my car on a break and I was listening to it and we were up big and I came back and I found out we had lost. And that was the year they had won like 21 games. They were the worst team in the entire NBA. But for whatever reason, whenever you saw that, it was like you were reminded of that shitty season and that game that didn't matter. And I feel like it it feels so meaningless right now. And I feel like that's disrespectful to say to Dame. But at the same time, like we're 31 and 39. Like why? Dame has only so much gas left in the tank. Why are they using this finite resource in a completely lost cause when there is light at the end of the tunnel, if they're aware and they see it. And that is a chance at Wimbanyama. If you are just dead set on trading the pick, then you're, you have a great, you have a 37% chance of getting two, three or four. Like, so there are, there are so many ways to improve this team rather than, Oh, let's make the playoffs so we can have all of our picks back and then trade half a decade's worth of draft capital for Pascal Siakam. Like, no, what what are what are we doing? So I just it's been it just so- feels, it it, do, it doesn't feel sustainably built on what we're doing, and 
for me, I like we can talk about the games, but what I've noticed is it's a lack of joy that is permeating through all out all of the Blazers basketball. Like there's a lack of joy from Dame to Shaden Sharp to all of these players. There's and then the, the vibes the are bad. That, yeah, there's a lack of joy that comes from the fans, whether it's people that want to tank or want to continue to be, keep playing. Basketball in general is supposed to be fun, and I don't think the Blazers are having fun right now. This is the like, second was- straight year we've had to endure this. Like what? Like this is not like just because I want to lose games doesn't mean I enjoy this. Like this sucks. I hate looking at the app or watching a game and actively rooting for the opposition because I know that's the only path forward for this team to get better. And we've had to do that now for long stretches in two consecutive seasons, and it it really is infuriate infuriating. Um, I thought the body language in the second half and that game at Boston was just God awful. I mean, it looked like a wreck wreck game in that entire fourth quarter. I know the game was out of hand, but usually when your younger players come in, there's just a little bit more structure. Like there's the teams, the team is so discombobulated. There's no connectivity. They're just Um, going through the motions of playing basketball. They're not actively like enjoying themselves playing the game. They're just doing it because that's their job. And I, I just think that that whole negativity from ownership down is showing that like there's no joy in anything Blazers related right now. There's they play a selfish brand of basketball. The 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 numbers will tell you they play a selfish brand of basketball. They're 24th in or excuse me, they are 22nd in the entire league in assists per game. They only hand out 24 assists. Uh, per night but it goes deeper than that if you watch this team play it's a lot of one pass and then I'm going to take it over uh, you really have I think I would argue that when he's locked in Nurkic is a willing passer he has not been locked in um, I, I don't think for I think him. he's still very much injured too yeah but he's the, he's not playing as effective as he was earlier and when he's oh. he's locked in he is a willing passer I think Trenton Wofford and Shaden Sharp are the only other willing passers on this team. I hesitate to include Damian Lillard because so much of the scoring burden is uh, necessary for him. So, but a lot of, a I lot think of, he like averages eleven potential assists a game. It's just where we miss. Yeah, so, so I, I say he's a capable passer, but sometimes he's not willing because he has to score forty for them to even be. I mean, in nights, so much pressure is put on his on his back every game. Like I encourage fans. When Cam Reddish checks into the game, almost every time he touches the ball, especially in the open court, that ball is not coming back out. Oh, he he he, he has the stickiest fingers. Like it's just a black hole on offense, and I don't I think he's to notice that. that. Like, and I was like, okay, you know, early in the season it was kind of Anthony. I was keeping my eye on, but like they get Cam, and yeah, he'll have some good one-on-one moves with a spin move here or there, but like the extra pass should have been made. Like He has not. the Dylan Brooks in him where he thinks he's the best player on the court. And I think that's probably why he has uh, not lived up to the expectations coming out of Duke as a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. This is his third stop. Um, but this team just plays selfish basketball. Like I specifically lock into Shaden and watch him so I can you know really evaluate. You like watching the corner sitter? <laughs> I don't, but I do in a way because I can understand why people may may look at Shaden and say, oh, he just doesn't have it. Like, I don't see the effort or the intensity, but you have to look at it from his point of view. He's put in the game and kind of told to sit in a corner. And even though he's sitting in the corner, he's open a majority of times, but his teammates, 
either can't or won't pass him the ball. Like he's, he's, he's open, like just specifically watch him. He will be open in the corner and they just will not see him. He's open on the back door or the baseline cuts for those jams. But no one um, ever passes the ball like they that. They don't. No one passes the ball. It's a very selfish, broken, uh, anti all for one and one for all mentality. You know, like the uh, game one, he's probably so hyped to play in the NBA, but he's played like 60 plus games. So 60 plus games of having like Tony Snell usage is going to irritate someone who needs the ball in their hands to develop. You know what I'm saying? So I get this way, Think about it this way. You got your job. You've, you were recruited essentially like Shaden was recruited. Like you were told, like we, we want you real bad. Then all of a sudden there's a, basically a promotion or an opening and your company goes out and gets a couple of uh, workers that, you know, have bounced around the other, other parts of the industry that, you know, maybe they don't have the, the best track record, but they come in and now they're getting paid more than you. They're getting more opportunities to shine and they're not performing any better than you were. How and your bosses like him more because the fans love Tyrese and uh or uh Matisse, sorry, and and Cam Reddish. So they're getting the credit that you probably deserve. So, so yeah, well, how is that gonna make you feel? Like it's it's hard to you can only motivate yourself so much when you it know is an NBA 2K. People have feelings. Yeah. So I, I think and egos. The- and the male ego is pretty damn <laughs> well uh, I, I, the male ego when spurned can be very dangerous. So like I get, I get where Shaden is where he doesn't have the best, the best body language, but, but also I think that's just crazy. That might also be his personality because I have seen him specifically in that preseason game where he got to, uh, I don't think he started, but he played a, a ton of minutes and also early in the season, like when it's almost like when he gets the green light, something's, there's a flip that gets switched and he starts to play with a little bit more of, of a, of a tempo. And he's like, okay, I've got this. Like they're relying on me now. Like you can just kind of see it in his, in his movements, but like the majority of the time he checks in and he just kind of jogs over to a spot because he knows that's, that's what he has to do. Um, but like later on in games, like his, the younger, I wouldn't say the younger, but the younger team, it's like a Keon or a Jabari. They'll look for him because he's probably one of the better players player. on the floor. <laughs> And so he's able to operate and it's just, it's hard to, to, to watch because you look at a team like Oklahoma city, who's not only winning more than Portland, but they're developing their rookies like Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, who's just having a phenomenal mm-hmm. rookie year. And he's getting that time to shine and develop and grow and add all these elements to his game. A Jeremy Sohan on the court too. A Jeremy Sohan in San Antonio, who's getting to work through mistakes, who's getting to play starters minutes, who's basically getting to open up all of that Swiss army tools that he has. And those players are going to be ahead of Shaden in their development because their organizations valued their potential and how they could benefit the team in the long term. And you have Portland who is seemingly doing anything and everything to halt Shaden Sharp's progress. And I, again, that would be another question I would just love to ask uh, Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups because I, I don't think any answer they give me would, would, would suffice. Yeah. It, 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 it developing in practice is one thing, but like the way you get better is actually playing the game in a competitive field. And like it or not, he didn't do that for a full year. 
So it was EYBL to the NBA, which is pretty crazy. And the fact that he's doing well and as, you know, like Patrick Beverly talking about on his podcast, how Brady is, it's, it's awesome. But the fact is we haven't, we haven't guided him into any way except being a future role player. And the fact is he has all the potential in the world and we're not really giving him that chance. Like the thing that we discussed when we did the future Fridays on him is that he's using normal one dribble moves and needs to develop a bag. Well, you're not going to do that cheering on Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons on the bench. And mm. being put in like bullshit trade trades for like really good role players is crazy. Like really good role players. Intuited stuff about him and Ant getting traded for, for uh Mikel Bridges and some other like D and three wing. And it's like, do you guys not see like what potential can turn into like, or maybe just like use your draft picks and draft a Mikhail Bridges because there's one out there and we'll talk about him in, in a couple of weeks or so. Like there, yeah, Terrence Shannon, baby. There's there's players out there's there. There's actually plenty of Mikhail Bridges in this draft. Yeah. They they kind of are 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 a little frequent. Like the Shaden Sharps are, are much more rare. Um, but the, it, it kind of leads into my my last point that whether you're on the boat where I want to give up everything for a Joel Embiid type of player or I want to tank as hard as possible and win Victor Wembanyama. I'm almost in a defeatist position looking at this franchise as long as Chauncey Billups is at the helm because the longer he coaches and the more I watch the games, I lose more and more confidence in his ability to coach this roster. And I've been getting a little frustrated at how the goalposts continue to move in the narrative. the narrative of defending this man's coaching ability because he flat out can't coach. I mean, if you want to do an an apples to apples comparison, the best way you can do it is look at Terry Stotts, the 2021 season after Norman Powell was acquired. The the, the Blazers went 16 and 12 is about a 57% win percentage. That's, That's a 47 win pace. Okay, then you go to the first season of Chauncey Billups um, before Damian gets hurt, because I obviously know everything changed at that. They went 13 and 22. That's a 37% win percentage, 20% fewer, and 30 win pace. So you're off by 17 wins in basically the same exact roster. I would say Damian Lillard was hurt that entire season, though. Okay, but uh, I, I just. No, Chauncey Billups sucks, and there's no yes, real reason to sucks. Get So if you even want to factor in Damian being hurt that year, which I will give them, but I think Dame, the reason he had that surgery is because he saw, and the organization saw, how poorly that team was being ran, and so they shipped off all their large contracts, and, and they punted. They punted because of Chauncey Billups and how just terrible he was able to manage this roster uh, you you look at Billups with an active Damian Lillard in the lineup, 30 set, 38 and 47, 85 games he's had, a 75th greatest player of all time, perennial MVP candidate, seven-time All-Star, leading scorer in franchise history, arguably the most clutch player in league history, and he is at a 45% win percentage, which would average about 36 and a half wins per season. He has had a full season, 85 games, of Damian Lillard. And we're talking about a 36 to 37 win pace. It, it, it's abysmal. Uh, this year, 17 blown double-digit leads, Sage. 17. If they would have won just eight of them, that, that's less than half. 
that puts them at 39 and 31. That would be good enough, Sage, for fourth in the Western Conference. Just if they had won less than half of the blown leads that they have accumulated this year. So I, I really want people to, to let those numbers sit in because all I hear is, oh, we punted that first year or the roster wasn't good enough. Well, let me tell you this. Terry Stotts never had three 20-point-per-game scores on any roster that he coached. Chauncey Billups had this year. I know 20-point-per-game isn't what it used to be, but it is still, you know, they, they, have, they have talent. Is it a great roster? Absolutely not. It's a passable roster, though. It has holes just like many NBA franchises have. But there's no excuse for this team to be 31 and 39. Another kind of question to kind of ask yourself, if Chauncey Billups was coaching the Sacramento Kings instead of Mike Brown, do you think they would be second in the West right now? Absolutely not. Fuck no. So but I don't think I, I I think Chauncey Billups deserves a lot of blame. But everybody should deserve that blame. It like Cronin and the ownership, like there's no way that some of the decisions made weren't coming from ownership. So of course Chauncey Billups deserves a lot of, of blame, but everybody above him also deserves that blame as well. I would say right now, and this could change depending how stupid he decides to be, I'm giving Cronin kind of some credit because he did show some self-awareness at the trade deadline and didn't trade away picks to try to basically dress up this pig that we have uh, in Portland because he, I, they, they are aware that this team isn't good enough and they're trying to balance appeasing Lillard while also realizing their best avenue towards competing is landing a high number in that draft lottery. And I think he also was dealt just a horrible dish of what Neil O'Shea left over. So, but he's also getting hamstrung with like not being able to ownership's hamstringing him as well. So, yeah, so I, I was just saying, cause you mentioned Cronin specifically. So I, I, I think, as I've peeled back, he's, some layers, he's, he's jamming with a hand tied behind he's his back. Doing what like, he can I, now. I, now, sure, now sure. If, if he makes a foolish trade for an Ananobi, a Bridges, or a Siakam that obviously just doesn't hire the ceiling enough, then yeah, he is going to be in this mix of people to blame. But yeah, ownership, Billups, um, it's just a, a bad recipe. Um, for disaster. Every, everyone keeps talking about, you know, Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart saying they would run through a wall for Billups. Well, there's a difference between being a, a coach and a friend. And I think Billups is the latter, a hundred percent. And I, I just, I, I don't think there is, there's any tactical advantages the Blazers have on a nightly basis. Uh, the substitutions are, are pretty bad. I mean, look at the final play in Philadelphia, 1.1 seconds. You have a timeout at half court. And you have oh, Damian Lillard going. You have Damian Lillard going back to half court to catch a ball rather than running towards the basket. You're down one. Go to the go to the bucket. Get, get an open look. Put in Shaden Sharp even as a decoy because someone is going to stay on him because he can shoot and he can jump out of that fucking gym. But where was Shaden? He was on the bench. Um, there was zero creativity, and I think I think the Blazers need to move on. If, if, if they want to win with Dame, they need a more seasoned coach. And if they want to decide they want to develop their talent, they need to find someone who is willing to really command the respect of the players, because he may be their friend, but I don't know if they necessarily respect him because I don't think they, I don't think it's possible that they respect him. Like, no, I mean, how, how can you respect a coach Sage Sage? How can you respect a coach 
that shows more emotion yamming it up with the opposition than actually getting upset when there's been a bad call or even getting technicals or just showing some sort of fire. I mean, it's it's just... How could Shaden, Nasir, or Yusuf respect it? Any of those three? No. Zero. Of course Jeremy respects him. He gets free reign. Yeah. Josh Hart got treated like a damn god king when he was on this team. Of course he's going to run through a wall. But look at how he treats the young guys and a very talented center that's re- that's recovering from a pretty damn serious leg injury now. So, I, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. And, you know, that I, I hope for the people that root for wins that you see some of them. But I, I think that the, it's going to be a pretty, pretty lo- loss-heavy last few games for the Blazers, and I think it's going to be a good thing because there, there's some damn good players that can help us out, and we'll we'll be covering them all pretty soon. But yeah, the the Blazers, are, it, it, for me right now, it's just kind of a chore to watch them. So big chore for the, for the second year in a row, it has become a chore to watch them. And as my time becomes a little more valuable and harder to. Um, to make time for that, like it's no longer on my priority list. Um, like I would rather make time to to scout a draft prospect and and chat chat up chat it up with you. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna do that. I just needed to get that off my chest. I think um, we'll continue to take our predictions offline. There's really no way, no reason to go into these games. Most and, of them are losses. You picked up a game on me. Um, I said loss in Orlando. You said win. So I'm only up by one. Um, but we've had the same picks um, for some time now. So we'll continue to do those offline, keep all of you updated, but it just doesn't seem worth your time or our time to discuss a game that frankly, I think the majority of the fan base hopes the Blazers ends up losing. I I, I think the, the primary outcome, if you would poll a hundred Blazer fans, the majority would say, I want the Blazers to lose, but I want Dame to score a fuck ton. Like, I I think that's what, what they're looking for. Um, and you know, g- good thing. Cause that's what has been, been delivered. Uh, let's wrap this one up Sage and let's, um, let's head over and start talking about this other prospect, which we'll right. release on Friday. <laughs> Got a little too excited. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast, everywhere where you get your podcast, we're there. Leave us a nice review, five stars and sub to us. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the Holy Backboard, and we are out. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!